0: Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. My name is Shonad of Richards and I'm the Lord Mayor of Sheffield this year. I love the books and I know the difference they can make to people's health and happiness throughout their lives. I've been reading since I was a little girl and I'm still reading at bedtime now. So I've teamed up with Sheffield Libraries to launch the Lord Mayor's Big Read. In this series of Big Read podcasts, we've invited some well-known Sheffield personalities to chat about the books that they love. I hope you'll enjoy listening, and if you do, share it with your friends. Let us know what you think, and please share your own favourite reads on social media at
1: hashtag ChefReads.
0: Welcome to the new Sheffield Libraries podcast series for the Lord Mayor's Big Read. My name is Liz Chapman, and I work for Sheffield Libraries. In this new podcast series, we're going to be talking to well-known Sheffielders about some of their favourite and most inspiring reads. This month is also Black History Month, and for this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by the writer, performance artist and former Sheffield Poet Laureate, Otis Mensah. Otis, we are so delighted and honoured to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, we're, we're really pleased to have you. Um, so I think that you have brought along three books that you would like to talk about today that have inspired you, or, or perhaps some poems?
1: Yeah, I have um, indeed. I've got three books in my mind. I've got them, I'm looking at them at my bookshelf.
0: Fantastic. Um, would you like to start by sharing your first
1: book with us? Yeah, sure. So my first book uh, that holds uh, great importance to me and I, I, I guess um, I guess stands out in my mind, uh, you know, recently is um, The Tradition by Jericho Brown, which is, yeah, which is an incredible collection of poetry. Um, uh, it was published very recently in in over the last three years. And uh, when it came out, I, I managed to get my hands on a copy, mainly because of the cover art. I saw the beautiful cover art that the book has, and it sort of inspired me to to read it. Um, I then found out more about Jericho Brown and um, and some incredible, uh, interesting facts about the book. This idea that he'd created his own poetic form. Um, it was a Pulitzer Prize winning poetry book. Uh, and then also, you know, having my own personal relationship with the book, reading it, but then also seeing him read it via numerous readings online, uh, sort of forges a new relationship with the words and sort of seeing how interestingly he breaks up lines um, when reading the poetry. Uh, it just, it, it, it really had a, a great impact on me. Um, so yeah, Jericho Brown, The Tradition is, is one of my standout books.
0: Fantastic. I also love that
1: book. Um, uh, There's one particular
0: poem, and I don't have it to hand now, um, but one particular poem that I found particularly powerful, which was about um, black men who have been murdered by police in America, Mm. um, which was incredibly, incredibly moving and hard-hitting. But yes, just the the innovation in the poetic form. Yeah, of everything you just said, I agree with 100%, and I'm pretty sure we have got it available to borrow from
1: Sheffield Libraries as well. That's great. I urge everyone to, to read that, to lend it out. Um, yeah, such, such a beautiful way with words, uh, sort of an aesthetic relationship with words, but also a very uh, real relationship with words, it seems. Um, mm such moving, such haunting poems. Um, I was listening to a few interviews with um, Jericho Brown and he talks about his relationship to poetry being that relationship to trees and that that being one of beauty and perhaps being one that's sometimes ineffable or sometimes intangible, but without trees we would live in a lot, a, a way more duller world and uh, same could be said for poetry and yeah I think the same could be said for his poetry so yes it's it's definitely worth celebrating.
0: What a beautiful analogy I love that the relationship with poetry being like the relationship with trees that's um so in 2020 you published your first poetry collection Safe Metamorphosis um which I have a copy of here um I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about it.
1: Yeah, sure. So the book is a, a, a collection of poems that span over a, a, a number of years from when I started writing poetry uh, in my teenagehood um, from around 17. There's some poems there and then it spans all the way to, you know, when I'm around 23, 24, 25. I'm now 27. The book is about two years old now. Um, and the, the book sort of, uh and mirrors that idea of growth and 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 change very well in the concept uh the concept of the book is is all around transformation and was inspired the name was inspired by franz kafka's metamorphosis um this idea that we go through tiny transformations all the time from school to to t- uh from childhood to teenagehood and then to through school and then to adulthood and all these little intricate things that that perhaps we we may not pay attention to in our conscious mind all have worlds of meaning. Uh, so the book was all about, uh, you know, uh, thinking about those transformations, whether they speak to uh, passions and or whether they speak to romantic relationships, whether they speak to family or a relationship to sleep and dreams and how they change and uh, metamorph over the years. Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the, a confounding theme of the book
0: that's really interesting thank you and I, I, it's interesting that you were uh, it with kafka's metamorphosis because your title is safe metamorphosis and i think the metamorphosis in kafka is very unsafe
1: <laughs> well that's it's interesting you say that because the, the safe is somewhat satirical Um, by saying safe, I'm saying good luck. (laughs) Ah,
0: I see. Yes. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. And that's a whole new perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so did when you were a child, uh, did you use Sheffield libraries? And if so, could you tell us a little bit about your memory of that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, my I'm, I'm pretty sure I used uh, Sheffield Libraries as a child, but my memory's a little hazy. I, I know very well that I used it as a teenager, though. Um, I would often use it as a place to study uh, for my GCSEs. However, I would not really study. What I would do is I would uh, sit in the sit in the library, uh, lose myself in the covers of all the books surrounding me, and listen to my favorite album. I would listen to an album by uh, Deltron 3030 um, over and over from start to finish, and just I I really loved the ambience of the central library. I loved that it, it brought a, set, a certain sort of calm. I love the idea that everyone was lost in some form of uh, passionate read, or at least that was the romantic idea that I had. Um, and I I used to do this especially on Wednesdays when the library would open later um and I used to spend some time there so yeah that's that's some strong memories I have of, of being in the library a relationship to music a relationship to words yeah
0: That's lovely. It's wonderful hearing about people's experiences of using the libraries growing up. And we still do open late on Wednesdays, so anytime you want to drop in and uh, soak up the romantic atmosphere of of people in in their own book worlds, you're very welcome. Thank you. Um, Would you like to talk about the second book that you have chosen for us today?
1: Yeah, sure. So the second book uh, that... Changed my uh, my whole mind uh, and 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 perspective on written page poetry was Roger Robinson's Portable Paradise. Um, yeah, that really uh, shifted the way I saw page poetry. I think before I read that poetry collection, uh, my relationship to poetry was was an audible one, was a sonic one. I was very interested in performance poetry, as I still am. Um, but just seeing uh, such life being injected into those words um, and the words jumping out at me the imagery being so visceral and so real so soulful um, yeah it changed my whole view on, on poetry and made me want to made, made, made me want to aspire to writing page poetry that jumps out at you in the same way you know so yeah Roger Robinson's A Portable Paradise yeah beautiful beautiful book
0: that's one I don't know. So that's a new reading recommendation for me, which is always exciting. I will
1: uh, have to... Roger Robinson has an exhibition on at uh, Central Library at the moment in the Graves Gallery with uh, Johnny Pitts. Uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yes, I'm defi- I've been meaning to drop in on that exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yes, so this is yet another reason to do so. Sure. Um, And I will make sure, if we have not already got his book in the library, I will make sure that we get it. Um, That also links me really nicely into my next question, which was whether you have always been interested in poetry or was there a moment in your life where you became interested in it and and what what changed, if so?
1: Yeah, sure. I think I always had a curiosity... um... For words, um, I don't know if I was always interested in poetry as I know it now, but I was always interested in the poetry of things. Um, yeah, I I I was uh, raised up in a household where uh, I was going to church on Sundays. Therefore, I was reading the Bible, and that relationship to language is always a an interesting one to me because it sort of forged this idea that language didn't, my relationship to language didn't always have to be a theoretical one or a logical one, but could be one that's emotional, you know, I, I didn't understand the language um, for its sort of uh, 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 definition, but I understood it phonetically, I understood the power that it carried, or I understood the emotion embedded in the words, and I would see what language move people you know this idea that when somebody says something on a pulpit and somebody responds um, emotionally you can see that the words are alive um, so that's a, that's an early uh, sort of um, definition of uh, relationship with language that i that i formed and that sort of like morphed on into my love for hip-hop and um yeah the the beautiful poetry that exists in the music and culture of hip-hop sort of changed my life especially with an album by the roots called things fall apart i discovered when i was a uh, Maybe when I was about 9 or 10, maybe 11 or 12, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it really changed my way that I saw language, that it didn't have to be something that was sweet, that it wasn't something elitist and and poetry wasn't something that was inaccessible, but uh, that it was something real, raw, and, and that poetry could be vulnerable and emotional. Um, as well as being aesthetic, you know, as well as being, uh, uh, you know, how I would now see it as fine art. I see that album as such a beautiful piece, though it's abstract, I would see it as high art, you know? Um, yeah, so so that changed the way I saw everything uh, uh, with language. And it also gave me such an interest for the sonic um, life of words, thinking about the resonance of words, um, And then that morphed into page poetry and and all the other avenues of, of language.
0: That's really interesting and I I think sometimes some people, particularly young people, think they don't like poetry because it's something that they have had to read in school and it's perhaps very much the dead white men sort of poetry and then you have to analyse it and pick it apart and um, perhaps people don't even make the link between with the music that they listen
1: to, which is also poetry. Very true, yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that till later on. I mean, if uh, if somebody would have called me a poet in my teenage years, I would have thought that was quite pompous. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> have attached myself to that to that role because of you. Uh, what you said, you know, this idea that we form around. Um, what a poet is, and that, that idea being drilled into us through through a specific lens and a specific canon. Um, but it took such, uh, it, it didn't take long for that that definition to break with the beautiful art um, that was that was accessible to me through the internet, you know? And and uh, yeah, that morphed onto having a, a real life, uh, a tangible relationship with it and seeing artists perform in real life, seeing poets read in real life. And that also changed the way I viewed poetry and literature.
0: I think what you say about the aesthetics of poetry is so important as well and so interesting. Sometimes, if I read a poem with a school class, I I tell them that it doesn't matter if they don't understand any word, every word they can just en- enjoy the sound of it, and I think that's sometimes a little bit of a revelation to them.
1: Yeah, that's such a that's such a beautiful point. I I, I often make that point when I'm delivering workshops or or when I'm performing, is that this this relationship is an emotional one and emotion doesn't always have to be put into understanding you know emotion doesn't always have to be fit into a box um so this idea that you know you can just let the words wash over you my relationship to poetry is actually similar to my relationship to jazz uh I often say people who don't like jazz are trying to follow jazz you know trying to follow every single word but Uh, if we let our relationship to the sound be an aesthetic one and we let it wash over us, um, we gain a new sense of meaning, you know? Perhaps we can't control our uh, relationship to it in the same way. We can't control the experience in the same way. So it takes a a level of trust and vulnerability, I think, to just let go and let it wash over you. But I think uh, it it brings great beauty. A lot of my favourite artists, sometimes I don't know what they mean, but they can bring me to tears, you know? And... uh, that just shows that our that our our ideas around language are sometimes limited or restricted, and that language is actually uh, uh, working on so many different facets and so many different levels. Um, yeah, both both communicatively and both spiritually and emotionally.
0: I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I love the way you speak about it, even when you are not performing. Um, I th- you I think you speak very poetically.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I I, I have dyslexia, um, and I think that also formed uh, my relationship to poetry uh, as well because it's it's like I I learned early on that that words could be bent I wouldn't I wouldn't always use words as they're supposed to be used so early on my I I started to see words as as paint on a canvas in an abstract sense thinking about the abstraction uh, abstractionism of of language rather than the narrative uh, uh, depiction of language I don't think about my poetry as a depiction of a, a a portrait of somebody but I Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, thinking about the the work of one of my favorite artists, Jack Whitten, um, an amazing abstractionist and multidisciplinary artist, sadly passed away in in 2017. I think about his work and how he had a series of of paintings and, and collages called the Black Monoliths, where he would create symbols out of um a beautiful collage multimedia uh creating collage out of uh, acrylic that he painted and these were symbols of celebration and and representation of uh, black figures who he looked up to or he admired or he felt um had an imprint on history and and the present so he did one for Maya Angelou, he did one for Chuck Berry um and these were You know, wide scale uh, 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 pieces that were filled with so much emotion, so much texture, but they weren't narrative, you know, they weren't narrative in a traditional sense. And that's how I see my relationship to language. Uh, And I think dyslexia led me down that route.
0: That that's completely fascinating. I love that. I love that dyslexia actually kind of gave you that different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know the artists work either. So that is something someone else that I will go away and look up. Mm -hmm, Um, It's also um, very timely because October is, of course, Black History Month. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was wondering if you could say a little bit about what Black History Month means to you.
1: Yeah, I guess Black History Month um, uh, means uh, you know dedicating time to celebrating uh, the presence and the beauty of of Black people and Black culture and Black lives and the importance of that and uh, yeah, realizing that that Black people are and Black history is so multifaceted you know it's not one thing um so many times often in our society we're forced to fit into specific stereotypes um but the i I think for me black history is about a month is about celebrating the richness and diversity of that history Um, but again of course thinking about the month the month is just another month in the gregorian calendar Um, and and yeah so it it, is it's sad that you know in many ways that that all this attention is only concentrated into one month. And I think for me, it's, it has to be span out all around the year and all around my existence um, because, because it never stops for me. You know, it's my relationship to family. It's my relationship to music. It's my relationship to art. It's my relationship to politics and that being life. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I in, in, in a narrow sense of the of the definition of Black History Month, it's about dedicated time to celebrating that richness. Um, but in the broader scheme of things, uh, I'm stretching out October to the rest of uh, rest of our lives.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I think every month ought to be Black History Month. Um, but yes, I also agree that we we still need to dedicate a dedicated month just to make sure that people don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, and we do have a number for our listeners, we do have another, a number of other Black History Month events this month. So do check out our Eventbrite, which is sheffieldlibraries.eventbrite.co.uk for details of those other months, mm-hmm. uh, uh, other events, sorry. Um, and now, Otis, would you like to talk about your, your third
1: uh, book that you've chosen for us? Yeah, sure. Um, my third book, uh, again, another fascinating book of poetry. Uh, one that's uh, a little older is um, "Black Unicorn" by Audre Lord. Uh, yeah, I mean, what can I say about this book uh, other than it's filled with with so much uh, beauty, so much uh, uh, pain, and 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 uh, you know, fascinating language, fascinating uses of language and imagery. Um, it's a longer poetry collection for me, and and sometimes that can be an interesting one uh, because because of my attention span. I think my my relationship to poetry and my reason why I'm a poet and and perhaps not a long form fiction writer is because um, I like to see the 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 I like to meet the short term goal of finishing a poem and ending it there and and finishing a poetry collection, which is usually way shorter than other forms. However. Um, this, this collection really broke my ideas around that. And it was something that, that uh, kept me invigorated throughout. Um, yeah, such an important collection. Audrey Lord, of course, such an important mind, such an important writer. Um, however, this collection just jumped out on me and spoke out to me. The, the, ti- the title and the imagery of the title, especially. Um, yeah, I would urge everyone to, to give it a try to, to read that book. I will double
0: check that we have got that one in the library and if not we will get it and obviously we do have a lot of her work. She is just such an amazing poet and and her writing on activism as well I think is so powerful and so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean maybe those are not really completely separate things, maybe poetry is activism.
1: No, yeah, definitely. And, and you see that in her work. Um, she, of course, doesn't stop engaging with conversations around Blackness, around queerness. Um, in her poetry, there is no separation there. It is, uh, yeah, it is such, uh, so rich in, in, in sort of like informative, but beautiful uh, language. Yeah.
0: And just finally, could you tell us a little bit about what what libraries mean to you? What what is the significance and importance of libraries for you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, libraries represent a a, a quiet place for me. And I think uh, in today's day and age, there's not many quiet places where you can go into. Uh, I was listening to a, a talk and it was talking about how um, we live in a world of extroversion, you know, and, and that can sometimes be quite daunting. Um, when you're looking for quiet time and when you feel that everything has to be packaged in a, in a, in a, a version of extroversion or, 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 you know, it has to be uh, loud and, and, and shout out about itself. I sometimes like the, the, uh, humility of a library, um, and that it provides this tranquility for reflection, you know? Yeah
0: yeah that's really interesting because our previous interviewee the astronaut Helen Sharman said a very similar thing um and the library where i work is not always quiet it's very very busy we have a lot of people using the library which is wonderful um sometimes the uh, people can can get quite loud um and I said this to Helen and, and she said, yes, but in the library, even if the library is noisy, you can be peaceful inside your own head, which <laughs> I thought was lovely. Mm, definitely. Um, would you like to read one of your own poems for us? Um, you don't have to, it's entirely up to you, would you, yeah,
1: if you'd I'll, like to? I'll, um, I'll read a poem called Ode to Black and uh, it is exactly what it says it is. Um, it's, uh, I guess, a metaphor ode to Black Thought, this idea that um, some of my favorite poets and some of my fa- favorite thinkers um, have filled my life with such beauty, injected my life with such, um, such spirit, and uh, all those poets that I'm thinking of are all black and have all contributed to this beautiful culture of hip-hop and the forefathers and foremothers and, and the sort of ancestral lin- lineage of hip-hop which is jazz and, and sound system culture. Um, so this poem is an ode to that and ode to um, the impact of that music and that culture on literature, not just on um literature throughout time but on contemporary literature um and it's an ode to uh, one of my favorite poets who is black for of a, a group called the roots from philadelphia um yeah and it goes like this <clears throat> i had a dream i went to see the roots the atmosphere was electric Questlove played an eternal break of undoubted flavor to call out black for who rushed the stage like a floating spirit, both hurrying and taking time in one. Tariq was draped down in a black silk cloak that covered the whole stage. The cape of sorts was embroidered with red lines that ran parallel throughout the cloth, like the blood vessels of midnight streets in Philadelphia. And his cadence, his cadence embodied revolution. Like the dreams of my youth, where in sleep I sought out validation from favoured artists, I woke myself up with a croaked in a voice, proclaiming I need that. I was speaking of the cape. If only I could wear its skin like my own, and feel what it feels to be the sound of reverence, and just rest, and rest in it. I had a dream I went to see The Roots. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: That was wonderful, Otis. Thank you. It also, it's interesting, because when I was preparing for uh, this interview, and suggesting that you could read a poem, I nearly suggested that one. And then then I thought I would leave it up to you to pick but you picked it anyway. So okay. that-
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
0: Right, um, so just lastly, before we finish, can you tell us where our audience can find out more about you and where they can buy your book? And I believe you've also got a new EP out.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, you can find my work uh, over Instagram and you can you know keep up to date with any any news around live shows and, and new releases. Um, and that's Otis Mensa, so that's O-T-I-S. M-E-N-S-A-H. Um, so that's on Instagram. You can also engage with the work on YouTube. Um, you can also engage with the work on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Otis Mensa. And the same goes for Spotify. Um, I do have a poetry book out called Safe Metamorphosis. It's published by Prototype. Um, the book has just uh, sold out. So actually, I have a few copies. So if you would like a copy, you can reach out to me uh, over on my Instagram. And I can make sure if you're based in Sheffield, so I can make sure I get that to you within the next week or so. Um, however, if you would like a book in the future, we are going to be reprinting the book. Um, there's going to be another run of the book. So um, so just keep an eye out on uh, Prototype's website. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's all from me. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much Otis, it has been absolutely fabulous having you with us and hearing about your favourite books and your memories of Sheffield Libraries. You've been listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast, the place to hear authors discuss their work and to explore stories, both fact and fiction, that we think deserve to be heard. I hope you'll join us again.